I think Jay said it um, 100% and there's so much love and feeling. Uh, we've been looking forward to this day so, so much. Um, I said it to a few people this morning already and I truly mean it. Um, it feels like when we met Dan uh, in person, because uh, obviously we'd spoken on on Skype or something, Zoom, Zoom, whatever the technology was. Um, when we met in person, it, it felt like it felt like I was meeting a brother, and, uh, and coming here and spending time with you guys today uh, certainly feels like family. But um, every time I, I go somewhere new, I really pray God, please give me a word, um, a specific word for for the people, for the church. And um, how good was worship this morning? They were amazing. They, um, you know, God lives in our heart, um, but sometimes we need that ignition to get the fire started. And I just really felt this morning that, um, you know, the worship team absolutely did that brilliantly and ignited us and brought us into a place of worship and prepared our hearts. But um, the word that God gave me during worship was um, found in Luke 15. And it's basically all of Luke 15, so don't read it now, otherwise you won't hear anything I'll say. But in Luke 15, we hear of three parables. And... um, you know, the, the first parable is the parable of the lost sheep. And I know, Dan, you preached on this uh, about a month or so ago. Um, I sat and listened in on that. Sneaky, sneaky. Um, the second one is a parable of the prodigal son. And the third one is the parable of the, uh, the, uh, the lost coin. And, um, and I just really felt uh, a word from God for you guys today. Um, and the word is restoration. And... When we look at the parable of the lost sheep, um, you know, you can draw so many things out of this and you can preach on it nine ways to Sunday next week. Uh, (laughs) But in the parable of the lost sheep, what I draw out of that is that um, the lost sheep is part of the church. And some of us in the church are maybe spiritually lost. And I love it how God just goes out of his way. And how Jesus and the Holy Spirit, living through us as Christians. Now, this this is a word for the church, so I'm sorry if this is your first time today. But he um, he goes after us when we're lost. And the second parable is um, the parable of uh, the lost coin. And to me, this this speaks about restoration. Not just spiritually, but restoration of things that we have lacked in our lives. Things that we've been believing for. Things that we've lost. And it might be in business. It might be in finances. It might be uh, in a lost home. I'm, I'm talking about the material things in life. And God cares for those material things. right? He cares about you. And I'll unpack that today in our sermon. Um, and then the last one is a parable of the prodigal son. And uh, he's a God of restoring, church. And uh, sorry, um, I said to Deb the other day, I only get emotional when I'm talking about family. And I do feel like I'm in family um, today. But, um, but I believe God is all about restoration within your family. He doesn't just care about your spiritual life, about the things around you, 
He also cares for your children. He cares for your parents. He cares for your uncles and aunties. And I believe this church is, is primed and poised and ready um, to be a church of restoration in this community. So I pray that that just blesses you today. Amen. All right, let me take a deep, deep breath now. I had a really dad moment this morning in the car on the way to church. One of my boys um, said aloud, he said, Dad, I wore the right jocks today. <laughs> and such a proud dad moment because I didn't know what the wrong jocks meant. Um, in fact, if you have boys, you know that them wearing jocks is actually a great achievement. <laughs> and, uh, and so really proud dad moment. In fact, from the age of five through to 25, I think nothing really changes. And so we have these fantastic proud dad moments. And so uh, I won't tell you which son said that. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great time coming to church this morning. But, you know, like Jay said, from, from when I was young, there was always missions. There was always missions in, our heart, in my heart. There was always missions in our family. Um, my father would go back to Romania every year and, and preach. I was born in Romania and... Uh, I shared with someone this morning that um, how my dad escaped communism, came to Australia. And, um, and then when everything opened up, dad, dad um, started pastoring the Romanian church here in, in Brisbane and the two churches then merged. And, uh, and after that, dad handed over the church and he started going back to Romania. And um, so we always had a sense in our family that we had to do more. We had to do more for people around us. And so... That was um, something that was ignited in me from a very young age, something that was always spoken about in our family, in our life, and, um, and something that my mum actually reminded Jay a short time before we were about to leave to go to Vanuatu. She said, Lucian said when he was younger that um, one day he will be living in the Pacific, he'll build a hospital, a medical centre, I didn't build it, but you know, I'm certainly there, uh, or, or an orphanage. Um, and that Lucian would be serving in the Pacific, and here you go, uh, you know. Um, be careful what you say. <laughs> I, I, I remember when I was younger, in church, hands lifted, and singing, send me, I will go. <laughs> Who else sang that song? <laughs> if you didn't go, you're a liar. I, I'm not a liar. But no, um, be careful. Be careful what you say. Um, God, God does use the words of our mouth. And the proclamation of our voice, and we sang it today in worship, honouring God, praising God, thanking God. Listen to what you're saying. Don't just sing it flippantly, because God uses those words. And they, they could be your testimony later on in life. And, um, you know, from a very young age, I learned that I needed to trust God. I mean, I grew up in a family of seven children, and uh, my, my mum was stay-at-home full-time. I mean, she had to be. Um, we were crazy kids, and uh, my dad worked really hard for us and uh, did an amazing job. But just in the little things in life, we, we had to trust God. And from a young age, I remember my mum and dad always talking about trusting God, trusting with finances, trusting, um, you know, just even to be able to get to sleep at night, often, I would have to trust God. Um, and so, one of the... One of the <laughs> biggest scriptures in my life from when I was very young was found in Psalms 37, 4 and 5. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to him. Trust also in him 
and he shall bring them to pass. And I, I, I kept that in my heart always. Every time I was going through a challenge, but any time I also wanted to be a winner in life, whether that be in a swimming race or at football or whatever, I would just recite this scripture. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put you first. And um, learning to trust in God, it takes discipline. It's, um, it takes time. Sometimes it takes courage and oftentimes it can be painful as well. But it doesn't mean that God would not fill the things that he has for you in your life. But it doesn't mean that in trusting God, going through that pain and developing that discipline, that God won't restore back to you and bring back to you or develop things into you. And so one of those times in, in my life, in our life, was when we found out we were pregnant with our son Isaac. And um, we went to a scan. I think it was about the 19-week scan. And the doctor was going through the scan as they normally do. And, and he sort of paused and then asked for one of his other doctor friends to come in the room. And he checked it all out. And they came to us and they said, listen, we, we want to redo the scan in two weeks. Can you come back in two weeks? And uh, we, we thought, something mustn't be good here. And so we went away. We prayed. We fasted. We took it to God and we thought, God, we, we have no idea what's going on here. But you know. And so we're just going to pray and fast about this. And, um, and so we went back after two weeks and um, they did the scan. Another doctor came in, had a look, and they basically sat us down. They said, listen, um, the news isn't good. Uh, your son, Isaac, well, we hadn't named it at, at that point, but your son, he, uh, he has a large void between the left and the right hemisphere of his brain. And part of his frontal lobe is, uh, is missing. And um, then the doctor proceeded to tell us just about everything that could and would and should go wrong and, um, and basically gave us the option and said, listen, if you, if you want to terminate the pregnancy, this is the time to do it right now. And I have to say that, you know, it's being a first child and I'm sure there's people in this room that have lived difficult paths. Um, and to hear words like that, it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, I hadn't met this little boy, but, but he'd already touched my heart. And uh, we said, he, he, the doctor left the room and um, we, we sat and we cried and we held hands and um, we basically said, no, I mean, if, if this is the child that God has given us, well, then this is, a, this is the path we're going to take. And we're going to stand and believe. And so the doctor came in and we told him that. And, and he was so grateful, actually. He was actually a Christian man. And he had to give us all the information. It's his, it's his job. And, and I understand that. And, um, and so that then began a journey of trusting God. Like I had never known before in my life. And so, you know, in this time in our life, it really taught us what were the most important things in life? I really started evaluating. I was working in mining. I was putting dirty big holes in the ground, and that's about the extent of it, really. We were drawing gas up and, you know, filling homes with gas, basically. 
And, um, and I just really got to thinking, God, there has to be much more to this life than mining. And, and just having this challenge in our lives really started changing our mindsets. Um, we've only been married, I think, seven months of that time um, when we found out the news. And God just started igniting the call for missions in our lives. It was, it was actually at the birth of, uh, not at the birth, but during this challenge with our son Isaac. It's, it's, it's amazing how through our hardest times, God actually brings the most clarity to our lives. And this is what I was talking about. Trust in God sometimes is painful, but it is just so rewarding. And so a few weeks before Isaac's birth, um, Jay has a dream. And Jay doesn't really dream all that much. And when she does... Uh, well, sorry, I'm sure she dreams, but she doesn't remember those dreams. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a few key times in our marriage that I can remember where Jay's had a dream and God has spoken to her through this dream and, um, and she remembers it very, very vividly and clearly. And so this was one of these times and, uh, and she told me, she said, listen, God's given me this dream as I was birthing Isaac that his hand was on his head and Isaac was going to be completely healed. Now, the doctors had told us that, number one, he wouldn't make term. Secondly, he, he wouldn't make it through birth. Just the trauma and, and everything, he wouldn't make it through birth. And if he did make it through birth, he wouldn't last the first hour. And so this was what everyone was telling us, right? And so for God to then give Jay this dream, we just held on to that. This was a few weeks before the birth. And we just held on to that and we prayed into that and we said, thank you, God. We really believed at that point that God... You, you have saved miraculously and restored that, was, that, that was lost. And, um, and so we, we really just believed and held on to that. And um, so anyway, we, uh, we rush off to the hospital a few weeks later and, uh, and Jay gives birth to a beautiful little boy and we believe and we know he's healed even though the room is full of doctors and nurses and specialists and everyone. And, and Jay just grabs him puts him to her chest and he was just so alert, just looking up everywhere. He held his head up strong. He, he fed straight away. Um, he just did absolutely everything and the doctors were just standing there just staring. They, they had no words for this. And well, I mean, we knew God. God had done a miraculous thing that day. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so that, that was just a, a, a great time. Um, I stayed the whole day with Jay and with Isaac there, and um, I think we watched um, the lions flog the dogs that day um, <laughs> at the Gabba. We were at the Mata just overlooking the field there, and, uh, and the footy was on the screen. That was Aki's first ever footy match, so that was fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I drove home that night, and 10 o'clock was end of, uh, end of visiting hours, and I'm driving home that night, and I'm driving up Gympie Road, and there was no, no other cars that I can remember around me. And I hear this voice. And it says, Lucian. And I'm like, okay. I've heard that voice once before. And, uh, and the voice said, Lucian again. And so I pulled over the car. And, and God clearly spoke to me and said, if I take away your, your son tonight, would you still love me? I sat there and 
Go ahead. Why would you do that? And I, I basically said back to God, I said, God, if you take away my son tonight, yes, I would still love you, but it's going to take me a long time before I get back that place again. Well, all I could do was just be honest with God. There was nothing more for other than being honest. And so the next day, I didn't tell Jay, I drove in, and there was Jay, there was Ivo. And um, I'm so thankful to God for his grace, for his mercy. And uh, he is a good God. We spoke, we, we sang about it this morning. He is such a good, good God. So three days later, um, after the birth, three days later, we had programmed in an MRI for Isaac, and uh, and we went in and we, we were believing everything was fixed, everything was clear. And um, the doctors came in after the MRI and they said, "Listen, what we said to you during pregnancy, it's it's all still the same." And again, my my heart just broke. I thought, "God, but you've healed him." And let me tell you one thing, what man says and what God does is two completely different things. Because even though the pictures still say, show the same, that there is a void between the left and the right hemisphere, that there is a, a, a huge uh, missing part of the frontal lobe, you know, my son is completely healed. He has met every milestone. He, is, he's, he loves football, he runs, he's athletic, he's, he's academic. Um, you know, the doctors said that he was going to lose his eyesight by the age of three. We were in and out of the doctors for that first couple of years. Just They just wanted to continue to check up and make sure. But he was just doing everything as God had said, you know, as God had given Jay in this dream. And I just love that about God. You know, things may not look like they make sense. But with God, everything's possible, right? In Daniel 3 in the Bible, we read a story of the impossible. And the Bible is just absolutely full of stories of God just showing his love, showing his grace, and just showing his power. And so in Daniel 3, we read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they lived in a time of where the Babylonians had come and taken over and, and, um, and the Israelites are under the Babylonian rule. And there was a king there, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, he has this great idea that I'm going to build a great big golden statue of myself and display all of our gods. And when we start playing the music, everyone has to bow down and worship me and worship all of our gods. And here are these three men who basically saying, well, that's not our god. We're not going to bow down to you. We're not going to bow down to our gods. And so the Chaldeans in, um, in the country, they were really ticked off. So they went and spoke to King Nebuchadnezzar and they said, listen, there's three guys in your kingdom and you've put them in place of authority. Now, the Chaldeans were probably jealous of these guys because they had God on their side. So they've said to the king, they don't want to do that, they want to obey. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, okay, uh, he, was, um, he was pretty furious at this point. And so he called them up and he basically said to them, listen, when the music starts playing, I want you to bow down to me, to my gods. And if you don't, I will throw you in a fiery furnace. And they basically answered and said, King, you know, we can't do this. Um, and so he was furious. He ordered the, the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than it normally would. He got the strongest guys in his army to come and bound these three young men. 
and, uh, and basically threw them in, into the fiery furnace. Now, the, f- the furnace was heated up so hot and so quickly that the guys that were throwing them in died. And so the king's sitting there on his throne, and then he looks and he, and he calls to his, um, his advisors, and he says, didn't we throw three, three guys into the fiery furnace? They're like, yeah. He's like, well, who is that fourth one there? He looks like the son of man. I just, I, I really love how that's in the Bible. Because it really shows how the Holy Spirit, even through an ungodly man, the Holy Spirit speaks and reveals things, right? To King Nebuchadnezzar, the one of the most paganist kings. And the Holy Spirit is revealing there is a son of God. There is Jesus walking around in there with, with the three young men. And so they bring three young men out. They weren't burnt. There wasn't even the smell of smoke on their bodies. I I really love the part. Just before they were thrown in, they said to the king, King, we cannot do this. We cannot bow down to this. We know that our God will save us. And then they said, but even if he doesn't, this is the part I love, even if he doesn't, let it be known that we did not bow down to you. Talk about trusting God. That even if he doesn't, even if it is his will for me to be going through this trial, even if it is the will of God for me to be going through this valley at the moment, let it be known that I will not be moved, I will not be shaken, I will not be used by the devil to show weakness. And to me, I don't know, it just blew me away. You know, so many times... We live in fear. You know, our, our worries take precedence over our faith. And, you know, we've learned to be better warriors than what we are at trusting God. And I guess that's because trusting God sometimes doesn't make sense. You know, it's because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we simply cannot comprehend what God is doing. And that's okay. We're human. And so when we come to those intersections in life where fear grips us, we have that choice to make. Do we trust God or do we allow fear to take control and listen to the lies of the devil and give up? You know, when when Jay and I left Australia, um, we didn't go with any organisation. We we had no church that was supporting us in fact our our church that we were going to they said that they couldn't support us and that was okay um we really didn't have very clear direction at that point we didn't go around raising support we sold up like jay said we sold up everything we had we wound up a business but we knew god had said go god had made that very clear to us that we needed to go and so A scripture that came to me just before we go, and I was listening to a sermon. The scripture was out of Proverbs uh, chapter 3, 5 and 6. And everyone knows it, and you've heard a hundred sermons on it. But it's uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. How many times have we recited that scripture? How many times have we heard a sermon 
a hundred times and today a hundred and one. Now, how many times have we actually trusted God through it? Or, you know, we champion the first part says, trust in the Lord. And then the second part, lean not on your own understanding. It's like, ooh, it's, uh, you know, yeah, I'll try. I'll try not to be like that. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And, and he shall direct your paths. There's a scripture in, in 2 Chronicles, in, in, sorry, in Chronicles, oh no, Colossians. No, hang on. Colossians. I think, yeah, Colossians. Colossians 3, and I think it's a verse uh, 17. And, and at, at the very end of it, it says, whether in word or in deed, do it as unto the Lord. And so trusting God for us, for Jay and I, has been such a huge journey. You know, for us, trusting God meant that when we left to go to Vanuatu, we had no home. We actually didn't know where we were going to live. And we lived in a 20-foot shipping container for the first five weeks. And then, and then we moved into a little one-bedroom um, shack um, after that with bunk beds. Um, let me tell you, bunk beds is not great for marriage. Um, feels like you're on school camp with your wife. Um, all in the one room with three kids. It's not great for marriage, let me tell you. Um, but we had to trust God. And, um, and I was only actually reminded yesterday, I was talking to someone, and someone asked me, Lucian, why Vanuatu? There's so much missions that can be done here in Vanuatu, uh, in, uh, in Australia. And I said, well, in Australia, you've got a system that provides your housing for you if you don't have a house. In Australia, if you don't have food, you can get coupons. You can go get support, salvation. Um, you guys are doing a wonderful thing for families that don't have food this Christmas. In Australia, I can walk into any backyard and turn on a tap and get fresh, clean, filtered water. In Australia, I can go to the doctors and Medicare covers me. And in Australia, if I need to put my kids into a, a, a school, the government will pay for that school. And I said, but um, in Vanuatu, we don't, we, we don't have those things. We don't have them freely available to us. And I said, you know, God has called us to Vanuatu to try to help in these areas. And it just really got me thinking yesterday as I was saying this. These are the five basic things that we get here in Australia and we take them for granted. But when I got to Vanuatu, God took care of those five basic things. He got us a house. And when the roof blew off, he provided a roof for the house. My wife's a school teacher, and the school that she was teaching for before we left, um, they provided us with all the resources for education, free of charge, which is huge. I didn't have fresh water at the house, and God, through the love of other people, provided water tanks for my family. And that's something that's close to you guys here in this church because it was this church that actually supported us in that, in having fresh water for our family. Food, we've never gone without a meal. Even though we sold up our house and everything, that money was going to run out. And when that money ran out, 
people supported us and we've never gone without food. And so it's amazing how the five things that we've gone there to be a blessing to people in Vanuatu, God looked at that and said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look after you. Don't worry about that. You know, trusting God also meant that, you know, when my neighbours were angry and they stole my rainwater tank and they stole the guttering off my house, you know, they came at me with a, with a bush knife, with a machete and I had a machete to my neck. Trusting God meant that, God, you've called me to be here. I've got to stand up for my family and I've got to stand up for what's right. But God, it's pretty scary when someone, a crazy man with a machete comes to your head. And, and, and you know, that sort of, God, do you really want me here? <laughs> you know, but, uh, but God did and, and praise God that he, he looked after us in that situation. You know, God, when we didn't have family, God established us with an event family in the country and put some great people around us to help us and learn and support our family. And so I, I tell you all of this and I tell you these stories because I was no different to many of you, uh, as Jay said. We lived here locally. Our kids went to school. I was in business. And, um, and God just said, go. And I believe that God is a God that honours his word. In fact, I know that 100%. And knowing your pastor and spending time with him, I know he knows that as well. We serve a, such a great God. And he can be trusted. And I want to encourage you today, you know, trust God, lean on him, draw close to him in whatever situation. And as I ask Pastor Ben to come up, you know, I know that we're coming up to Christmas. For some people today, today trusting God might mean trusting him in your business. God, I don't know where the next order is going to come from. I don't know where this situation is going to be resolved. For some people here today, it's trusting God with your health. You've been like us. You've been to the doctors. And the doctors have spoken things and have said things. And rightly so. They need to. That's their job. But you're facing this challenge. And you're, you're saying, God, how can I trust you in this, in this situation? For others, you're looking at the bank balance and you're saying, God, it's Christmas and I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table or even get that present, that bike that little Johnny wants for Christmas. For some people here today, it's trusting God in your marriage. You're saying, God, I need you to do something in my spouse. I need you, I need you to fix this. I need you to intervene. And then for others here today is trusting God in your salvation. Just like the prodigal son. Just like the lost sheep. Sometimes we stray. Sometimes we choose our way. Sometimes we go through the motions in church and sometimes things get a little bit dull. And like the word I gave at the beginning, I believe this church is a church of restoration. I really do feel that. And I believe that in this place today, God can restore. He can restore what you've lost. He can restore you if you have walked away. He can restore the things that you are believing for, whether it be in your business, in your health, in your family. He can restore because he cares and because he loves.